Welcome everyone. I am Nicole Gravania. I am joined with my co-host Yubi Seminieri and our guest for today is Helen Young Hayes. Welcome Helen. Thanks she, Nicole. Yeah, so she is the founder and CEO of Activate Workforce Solutions. Uh, she was previously an investment fund manager who she was running Janus Worldwide and Overseas Funds, and she retired uh, well, a bit ago. And, and so most recently, she's the author and executive sponsor of Colorado Inclusive Economy. And we hope to hear about um, a lot of that today. Thanks for being with us today, Helen. Thanks for inviting me. It's good to be here. So what, yeah, so, so let's talk about... Um, First off, Colorado Inclusive Economy, you know, that it's, um, I, I, I love the initiative and the effort and it, it started about a year ago. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit like the impetus of that and why it's so important right now? Right, well, I was imprisoned by the pandemic as we all were in mid-March, quite unexpectedly. And I found myself with the luxury of thinking some very deep thoughts about this global pandemic about this once in a century experience that we were all trying to live through. And I had the time to look at some of the prior business cycles like the Great Recession and other business cycles and see what happens to lower income individuals during these um, incredible boom and bust scenarios. And so I realized in March that this pandemic would negatively impact lower income populations uh, first, fastest, and um, that they would recover slowest, if at all. And so I found myself wanting us not to rush back to business as usual, because business as usual doesn't work for everyone. And too many people get left behind during times of prosperity. An interesting fact is that Colorado is the eighth most uh, prosperous economy in the nation. And yet we rank 37th with respect to racial inclusion in our economy. And so the prosperity we last, you know, for the last decade, we've had the hottest economy in the nation. That prosperity has not been shared by all people equally and um, certainly not by uh, people of color. And so, oh, can, can I ask you a question on that? Do, do you yeah. think that's um, more to do with the fact that we just aren't a very diverse population or state, or, or where do you think that's coming from? I mean, do you think that's more related to like these, you know, systemic inequalities and, and oppression and those types of conversations that we've all been having these last few months? Well, I. Um when you adjust for the demographic of our state, mm -hmm. we are not a very inclusive economy. And so uh, despite the fact that we only have about 33% um, of our population, 34% of our population is um, people of color, mm -hmm. we are not diverse for the people of color that we have. And I actually think that the, um, I think that the fundamental and beginning inequity really starts in school. K-12 educational attainment rates are less than half the rates of um, 
educational attainment rates for our Latino and our black population are less than half of what they are for our white population. And so already there, you can see the beginning of great inequity that will play itself out in employment and income and in wealth creation, because there's a tremendous correlation between high school graduation and a certain income level, and then a four-year college degree and um, a much higher income level on average, et cetera. And so educational attainment really is, in my opinion, the, the first inequity that arises in Colorado, in our, in our community. Huh. Well, let's let's is, back up for, oh, okay. sorry, I finished yeah. that thought. Well, and then uh, I was just going to say that then that inequity is played out by um, not only uh, lower skill uh, jobs that require less educational attainment are available to uh, communities of color, but then on top of it, then you can look at systems that are in place that um, are less inclusive and that perpetuate inequity. And so, uh, you know, the inequity begins basically even in, in preschool when uh, lower income communities, especially the BIPOC community has less access to uh, full-time um, preschool. Hmm. to see all of this information and, and I'm sure that you have quite a bit of these data crossing your desk on a daily basis um, because of your roles with Colorado Inclusive Economy and Activate Workforce Solutions. So can you talk a little bit about Activate Workforce Solutions to give our listeners some context for how it is that you're so close to the challenges that go on in low wage earner sure. communities. So I'm the founder and CEO of Activate Workforce Solutions. We are a people-centered recruiter and professional coach of talent coming from lower income communities. Um, and you could sum it all up with um, what they have in common is a strong will to work. But we're looking for individuals who have demonstrated work ethic initiative, follow through and coachability, regardless of um, educational attainment, regardless of professional experience, we're looking for a strong will to work. And when we find individuals who are strongly motivated to become economically self-sufficient and then economically mobile, we connect them with full-time full benefit careers with our employer partners. And so we are recruiters in that we help our employer partners find extraordinary talent from communities that they're not normally hiring from, that their normal HR practices um, don't even touch. And then we, um, importantly though, after we connect them with full-time full benefit careers, not jobs, careers, and upon placement, we're tripling their incomes. And so you can imagine what I call an economic mismatch. We have talent that has been undervalued, undervalued in the workplace. We have talent that's been overlooked in the workplace through um, the normal hiring practices of companies. And so we're bringing this talent to our employers. They're extremely 
humble, hungry, and smart. And then we're activating them by connecting them with these full-time full benefit careers. And so we're taking individuals who on average were making less than $13,000 a year before we placed them. And last year we placed them into $44,000 a year careers plus benefits on top of that. So you can see we're tripling people's incomes, but that is not the end of the story. Our, our real work actually begins when we connect someone with their new opportunity because um, we're also professional coaches. We walk alongside each client for 12 months after they get their new opportunity to equip them with the life, professional and personal financial skills that are really necessary to become economically mobile and professionally mobile as well. Is that in coordination with the employer partners, that 12-month period? So is there kind of a, you know, have you sat down with them and said, Here, here's our curriculum. Is there anything that you want to add into that? And we can create kind of a partnered, supportive, year-long coaching uh, structure for, for these people. Is that in coordination with them? So, you know, most of our employers tell us that we can teach our employees what they need to do when they're on the job, mm-hmm. but we can't necessarily teach them how to go about doing their jobs. Sure. So, so what we do is we really supplement the training that goes on at our employers with those essential business skills that um, that really help propel an individual to one, be successfully retained by their employer, and two, be an engaged employee, and three, be a value-added employee. And so we call our coaching services really retention services for our employer because the whole name of the game is to have an engaged, retained, value-added employee, and our coaching really helps deliver that. And so um, we... We, um, for the most part, don't teach those skills that an employer can teach. We teach those skills that an employer wishes they could teach, but they don't have the time or the structure or the relationship to teach them. And so examples of that uh, would be life skills like conflict management, like stress reduction, which of course for us was a huge part of our coaching focus during the pandemic, Um, anger management skills, Uh, healthy boundaries in relationships, because let's face it, if things aren't healthy at home, they're going to spill over into and affect your work life. Um, We also coach to professional skills, like how, what does initiative look like in this new role that you have? Let's talk about how we can um, demonstrate work ethic. How do you go about asking for more training and, um, you know, more upskilling so that you can be come professionally mobile and demonstrate that initiative. And so uh, these are some of the types of topics that we will coach. We customize our coaching to each individual. So whether we're working with um, a young adult who has um, just gotten a GED instead of graduating from high school, who's experienced generational poverty, we'll coach that that young man or woman to a, a different type of a curriculum than we will an immigrant, um, like one of our recent clients who is um, a, who was a practicing lawyer in Senegal, 
who got an MBA recently and also got a project management professional certificate. And so we cover really broad, diverse spectrum of, of individuals and our coaching is, is de designed to help each individual achieve his or her fullest potential. I'm wondering if during the pandemic, there was so much shift to online and you know, there's, there's a lot of resources that are required for that. I mean, even with all of our fancy technological equipment, UB and I still have to sometimes turn away a guest to say, sorry, our internet is just not working today. We'll have to do this a different day. And, and so I'm, I'm wondering then, how, how do you handle that with low wage clients, your low wage clients that are, they may have all of these personal qualities and, and the ability to uh, really bring their whole selves, even without having had the benefit of years of wonderful preparation. Now they're, they're diving into this new role. Their income is three times what it was last year, last month. And, and um, now technology is standing in the way. How did you handle that? Well, one, we pivoted as an organization. And so Previously, our, our recruiting and our coaching was all done face-to-face, -face, and we really believed um, that that was the only solution until the pandemic forced us to um, move everything online. And so I'd say that, um, that, that we shifted as a team very quickly, and um, even our coaching relationships, where the name of the game is build a trusting relationship between coach and coachee um, so that you can be really supportive. And um, we were able to, to transfer those activities to um, a digital setting, a remote setting online um, with, with very little loss of sort of relationship building, which was, which was really surprising and gratifying. But the um, technology shifts in um, the US that have been rapidly, rapidly accelerated by the pandemic have done two things really. One, um, given us many, many more people who need help in achieving economic self-sufficiency. I mean, so many people are really, really struggling um, to um, regain employment and certainly lost income as a result of the pandemic. But um, secondly, it's created um, a massive shift in the demand for talent and the types of talent and skills that are being called upon. And so, whereas before we might've been looking at, you know, automation, automating away tens of millions of jobs over the next 20 or 30 years. Now we have 7 million workers who've been displaced, whose jobs are not coming back. And this all happened in a span of seven months. Um, so the, 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 the pressing need for digital skills and digital relevance um, is an urgent need in our nation. It's an urgent need in Colorado. And um, we are responding to that one by, um, we had to get really creative with our coaching. So we constantly pivoted last year, but coaching around, okay, so now we need to teach you how to find the closest Wi-Fi hotspot if we can't get you, mm -hmm. if your employer can't provide a reliable internet. Well, that's difficult in a pandemic because Wi-Fi hotspots, most coffee shops were closed, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you create a safe space? 
a soundproof space in your one bedroom apartment if you've got three young children at home that now you are the principal for and you're also the teaching the teacher of and so um so uh, we had to get really creative around problem solving and troubleshooting and i'd say that we that our coaches were really um you know uh we added um so many um so many different types of coaching strategies last year than we had before because people were dealing with things that, that, that none of us had ever anticipated would be an issue. So let's use an example of someone who, um, someone we had placed, full-fledged accountant. Um, previously, she had been underemployed, um, working uh, part-time at the Amazon warehouse, incredibly gifted individual with, uh, um, man, uh, with a master's degree in information systems. So you can imagine this incredibly talented immigrant, uh, single mom with ve two very young children. Um, you know, we placed her during the pandemic. She's suddenly making five times her prior salary. And um, yet she has to deal with, okay, her training is not in person anymore. So she doesn't really know her team. This is the US business culture. This is not um, the, the culture from the Sudan where you're accustomed to. And helping you interpret what your boss is saying when you haven't even seen your boss face to face and never met her. Um, and then how you deal with how are you going to work a 50 hour work week and be the full time caregiver of your children when there is no quality child care available during the pandemic. So those are the types of things that we were that we were um, trying to solve for last year. Jeez, Helen, it sounds like everyone could have benefited from this. I was going to say, I have friends who, you know, who absolutely would have been like, yes, can you please help me organize my entire week? Pandemic because training, please. Yes, thank you. Pandemic training. That's it. Oh, that's incredible. Well, and, and so you were talking about the tech part of it. Um, you know, what's interesting is even before the pandemic, there there was a lot of discussion around digital skills and, and coding um, that almost, almost everyone should have, right. It almost becomes like a, like a baseline and, and what that translates to in work is everyone is a coder. So that's like one career. And then they take that and, and kind of pathway to another career end up, you end up having five different careers in your, in your lifetime. I think that's, you know, what people are talking about as far as the future of talent, um, so, so that that's really interesting for what you all are doing because I think you're addressing that specifically, right? With, with mm -hmm. Activate IT is is you're saying yes, every let's start with this. That it's almost going to be baseline requirement for everybody moving forward, right? Right. So um, last year in May, in the middle of the pandemic, we launched Activate IT powered by Perscolis, our mm -hmm. partner Perscolis is a national nonprofit IT training institute that has trained and placed over 13,000 individuals from underserved communities into over 500 employers in 17 cities. And we were their 14th city launch and their only wow. external partnership. Got it. Um, so our goal is to provide tuition-free technology skill training to our underserved communities and equip them to be relevant and prosperous and thriving in the 21st century. And so 
I believe firmly that Activate IT and Perscolas are among the most elegant solutions for inequity and poverty that, that I have seen in America today. And why is that? One, because we have a million person IT talent shortage in the US. Last year, our nation produced only 111,000 computer science graduates. Yep. And so you can see with that million person talent gap and then a rapidly um, automating, digitizing economy, um, so many of us now working from home, so many of us now um, able to work anywhere globally. And so these digital skills are becoming ever more in demand. And yet we have a very, very limited talent pool. And so one, we have this acute talent shortage in IT. Secondly, four-year STEM degrees are just typically not available to people of color. Uh, specifically, the BIPOC community is very underrepresented in four-year college attainment much less for your STEM degrees. And so we have very little diversity of that talent pipeline in technology. Uh, most of the technology industry has been trying to crack the code to diversity for at least 10 years. Some have spent and pledged tens of millions of dollars to diversify their workforces with very, very little success. And that's because they're all sort of fishing from a limited pool. And I believe that the answer is build your own talent from an untapped talent pool. And so um, helping, helping the industry achieve more diversity and inclusion for uh, communities that normally don't access these 21st century skills, meeting a talent shortage that is acute globally as well as in the US um, and, and doing this in a tuition-free way. And so um, the pandemic has greatly increased the need for digital literacy and not just literacy, not just the ability to um, search the internet, not just the ability mm -hmm. to, to um, set up an email account, but actual skills like software development, et cetera. And so we are part of, I believe that we are part of that, part of meeting the shift that is the future of the American workforce in a way that will um, provide our community with the benefit of activating individuals who really need opportunities other than these low wage, low skill service sector jobs that are not coming back. Yeah, well, and I think what's really uh, fascinating is in this post pandemic world, I mean, a, a, a career like that is very well suited to, to being able to work from home, take care of kids if that's part of the situation, you know, and, and sort of have that flexibility in this new normal. Um, I mean, I think it's just, I think it's brilliant. I think you're exactly spot on. Like that is the future. I mean, you know, a hundred thousand, 900,000 gap. I mean, that's insane. Like, you know, and then you break that down into areas like cybersecurity, for example, where it's even, it's even crazier numbers. You know, interestingly, um, the technology employers and every every company has a technology department and has a technology need. So it's not just yeah. IT companies, but every company has a growing mm -hmm. need for tech talent, and that has that pretty much just um, 
you know, that demand for tech talent um, was unabated during the pandemic. But um, during uh, the pandemic, it was, you know, really, really revealed who can apply for jobs and who cannot. And so, um, you know, if, if in Colorado alone, um, over two thirds of the jobs that pay a living wage require digital literacy and digital talents and skilling up, um, and two thirds of our population doesn't have those basic skills, you can see how rapidly we're gonna create this complete imbalance where we have people whose livelihoods are not coming back, who don't possess the skills to be, um, to be productive in the 21st century. And so um, in our first five years, we're going to train in place um, over 500 individuals, and it could be more um, based upon um, the demand from local employers. Mm -hmm. One employer was telling me recently that um, for, every, for every qualified uh, technology candidate in Colorado, for every one, there are three job openings, three. And so we almost can't scale activate IT quickly enough to- No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I was just talking with with someone who was hiring and they were so happy with the nine candidates they got for a coding job. And, and they were like, man, we, we thought we would never get this many candidates. And we're like nine candidates. That's not very many candidates. <laughs> but yeah, that's the world we're living in right now. Yeah. Right. Well, and then, the, you know, the uh, sort of the um, the interesting uh, way that the technology industry has solved for that problem is that they all poach from one another. And so they're, they're trying to poach someone um, from their neighbors across the street at, you know, a five or 10% wage premium. And so there's been huge wage inflation mm. in the technology industry. And yet we, you know, I still think that the solution is grow our own talent, just grow our own talent. Well, and I, I would add to that, I think putting the responsibility onto the, the companies now, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, we've, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, th this game that we're forcing candidates to play, right. It, that it, because, because, because companies haven't really done the work of understanding who they need and, and, you know, and, and the, the personality traits and, and the ability and the, the, the growth potential that they're looking for, for every role. And so it, it does, it sort of lands on it, the candidates just to play this game, just to even get noticed. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a big part of the future of work too. And I don't know how much you work directly with your employers to help them or to understand what they're looking for. But I feel like it's, it's got to shift because the talent is there, right? You're, right. you're, you're, you're working with a pool of talent that exists, that is there. It's not that there's no talent. And it's not that we're fighting each other for the best candidates. That's an excuse, in my opinion, what, what, that you have to tap into these, these underrepresented pools. Right. And so interesting um, fact about IT, 40% of the roles in IT do not require a college degree. An hmm. industry certificate from a boot camp like ours is, um, you know, is a perfect proxy. And I actually mm -hmm. think that number 40% is going to go up and up and up as yeah. more employers realize, hey, I don't need to hire a comp side grad. I can hire someone mm -hmm. who's got um, an A plus and network plus credential and then a cybersecurity mm -hmm. credential on top of that and just sort of bypass that whole four-year college um, degree requirement. And so um, we are having conversations with employers who, who 
are tired of fighting with their neighbors across the street for the very, very limited talent pool. And so we're helping them think more strategically and long-term about, okay, I don't just need a butt in a seat next mm-hmm. week, but I need to think about this over the next 10 years because this is going to be a limiting factor to my um, competitive ability and my profitability if I am star for technology within the company. And so, um, so we are developing a talent pipeline in the future for technology companies and other companies as well. It sounds like kind of what you're getting at UB is, is that, you know, there's, there is something that the employer is doing quote unquote wrong that they could change to solve their own problem and mm-hmm. to solve the problems for the workforce. And, you know, what I'm seeing is happening. The employer is putting a, a premium on uh, coding or technology jobs and a bunch of money is or you know, going to a single individual who then leaves and goes to another company to make 10% more. Mm-hmm. Whereas if that money were taken and put into some fairly quick training, you could have a much larger workforce that probably sits tight because you know they're they didn't have that kind of income before and now they're they're perfectly happy to live out this sort of lifestyle with this new career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well it's um it's almost just a matter of supply and demand. Right. If you increase the supply, then the, the the pricing is the unit pricing is going to go down just because you have more. And also, um, you know, our partner Perscolis has has um, been doing this for 25 years, and so you know, scaled and replicated. And and um, their studies show that their talents stay longer. They're more loyal. They're more engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, they really want to be there. And so they're not just a mercenary that is looking for that next extra five or 10%, but they really want to build careers and want to be in the, um, in the tech industry. So um, we believe it's just a, it's, it, it's a great um, community solution for economic development and for equity and inclusion and um, you know, serves a business need as well. Clearly, clearly serves a business need. We'll lower the cost of, of acquisition of a talent in technology. Hmm. I love it. I, yeah, I mean, that's, I think we're all in agreement. You know, that's the future of work is, is are these pools of talent that most companies never even thought to look into before. But now there's no choice. And to Nicole, to your point, like that we can we can get them to a point, you know, from from a training perspective, really quickly, to to make an impact in that organization. Oh, and by the way, they're going to be loyal because, you know, that that's the underrepresented groups. You know, I think of people with disabilities; they're very loyal employees, right? They don't want to jump around. Like they, they don't know the privilege of what it means to be able to jump around. They don't have that. And so they also, are nobody very jumps loyal. Once they've found something that they actually yes. like and it works for them and that it solves all the problems. Yeah. People don't jump when it's working. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, uh, if I can, I want to go back to your first question, Nicole, which was Colorado inclusive economy, because, you know, this is the backdrop for um, why I felt so, um, I guess, personally and urgently this need to launch the inclusive economy movement because I could see how my population was going to be and has been affected by the pandemic and 
I wanted to call and invite and, and inspire and challenge CEOs in Colorado to rebuilding this time with racial equity, diversity, and inclusion as a goal and not as an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that you both know even better than I how long the diversity you know, efforts have been going on in corporate America, I mean, at least 25 years. And why we've made so little progress, well, the the reasons are myriad, and we can get into a super long discussion about that. But one of the reasons is that, um, you know, equity, inclusion, and belonging have not been of strategic importance to companies historically. Mm -hmm. And um, notably missing in the whole effort has been CEOs and leadership. And I believe um, that that is a huge opportunity. And also I believe that it's the moral imperative of today. It's what CEOs need to be about. We need to be about building a community that works for all. And so um, that's why I launched it because I just had a real longing for the community that we've been talking about for a long time, but we haven't achieved it. And it's because we haven't been focused as leaders as leaders in the community, we haven't been focused to putting our shoulders to, to the stone and pushing this rock up the hill together. And so um, the Colorado Inclusive Economy Movement is a movement of um, design, intent, and action towards building more multicultural, diverse workforces of inclusion and belonging, especially for people of color. And as we build and transform our workforces then with our individual actions, we are going to, as a movement, collectively make this the most inclusive economy in the nation. And so that's, that, that's, the, that's my boil the ocean pitch, uh, <laughs> which is that, you know, <laughs> we've, been, we've been talking about sharing um, opportunity and prosperity for a long time, but it's just been a lot of talk. There've been too many cosmetic um, pledges and empty platitudes. And um, even, you know, in the, um, e- even with the murder of George Floyd and, and um, you know, the other, uh, you know, just the, 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 the huge outcry against racial inequity um, last year, um, there were a lot of sort of pledges or cosmetic pledges, I'll call it, but um, ours is a movement of accountability. And so we're asking our CEOs to not only get serious about personal transformation, about corporate transformation, but also to, um, to really get serious by reporting your numbers. Let's report our results. And it um, doesn't matter if you're not a diverse organization at all. I call that blue ocean. We can, that's a lot of um, opportunity for us to rebuild with um, racial equity and diversity and inclusion as, um, as our outcome, as our desired outcome. So we have a huge opportunity here as we rebuild after the pandemic. And, um, you know, I hope we don't waste it. It sounds, Helen, like you, you've taken, so Activate Workforce Solution hits the individual, hits the worker and, and upskills the worker in using that word broadly. And it sounds like Colorado Inclusive Economy does the same thing for the employer in some ways upskills the employer in a broad sense to say, hey, you know, join us, meet in the middle. We can solve all of our problems together. We just really need to think about this differently. Would you say that's that's true? 
Yeah, I'd say that's a great way of looking at it. Um, what what I'm doing is I'm, I'm working with one-off employers to help my individuals get hired on a one-off basis. But what I really, really wanted to do in launching the movement um, is to um, change the ecosystem, to make it so that persistent inequity and poverty is not the reality for so many Americans and for so many Coloradans. And so what I really wanted to do was just level set and say, okay, let's just, let's just have a hugely transformative experience together, not just with our individuals that we're activating, but with the companies that we are, that we are engaging with and that we're challenging, inspiring and equipping to build more inviting and inclusive workforces. And so you're right, we are, we are equipping um, and activating employers and CEOs with a, with, a, with a very, very robust learning journey, which Nicole, you have helped us build. But um, you know, we are helping our employers um, build more multicultural diverse organizations from the top down, the bottom up and from the inside out. I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, right. I mean, we don't. <laughs> that was your mic drop moment there, Helen. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Uh, so, well, Helen, thank you. Uh, this was a really fascinating conversation. I think, you know, there, there's there's just so much, um, so many cool things. And you've got this two for one out, you know, two for one, it seems like, um, you know, push that you're doing from, from, and I like actionable, right? Like it's all super actionable to your point. And, I, you know, you to your point about, sort of those cosmetic, um, or I forget the word you used, but uh, for, for all the, you know, the, the performative, you know, I, I use the word performative things and pledges and initiatives that have been going on for a couple decades now that we're still in the same place. So yeah. how do we get beyond that? So uh, yeah, thank you for, for your efforts. Thank you for the time today. Um, it was just a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Nicole, thank you as always. Good to see you. Good to see you too. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. And thank you all for checking out A Higher Future. Uh, we'll, we'll have the link, you know, down below, but um, please listen, please share, and uh, we'll check you next time. Bye.